Welcome to Politicus, the only podcast that discusses politics and public service from the Portuguese-American perspective. Here we discuss everything from federal policy, local issues, and U.S.-Portugal relations with the goal of driving more discussion and awareness of the issues affecting our nation, our community, and what we as Portuguese-Americans can do about it. And now, Politicus. Welcome to another webinar in the Pacus series. I'm Angela Simos. We are here with my co-host, Denise Borges. This is being recorded, and we will also be airing this on the Politicus podcast, as well as posting to YouTube. But um, we have a, a really unique topic here today because it's something that we just don't ever talk about in our community. And we felt that it was time for that not to be the case anymore. And so um, before we introduce or have our, our guests introduce themselves, just one quick housekeeping item that uh, everybody is on mute. So if you want to ask questions, you can type them into the chat box for Zoom. Or if you're watching this live on Facebook, just type your questions into the Facebook feed and then we'll, we'll ask the questions to our guests there. So with that, I'm going to uh, stop sharing so that it can just be all of us. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining. So why don't we just start with each of you introducing yourselves uh, and telling a little bit about your, your story and what your experience has been like. So why don't we have David go first? Oh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at. Uh, my name is David Garcia. I was born and raised here in San Jose. California, born to two parents from the island of Pico in the Azores. And so I've been very actively involved in the Portuguese community here since I was about 12 or 13 years old. A little sooner, but actually taking leadership within the community was there at about that age. Uh, and I didn't come out uh, of the closet as gay until I was 35 years old. Um, so it took that long just for personal reasons, obviously. And feeling accepted within the family, the, you know, the culture, the community. And um, yeah, right now I've been free and myself and it's been wonderful. I will, so, I just per, so I know David personally for a long time and um, I will never forget what the first time I saw you use the hashtag Portuguese on yeah. Facebook. And I remember thinking, huh, finally, <laughs> like, well, thank you. And, Oh, you know, <laughs> I, struggled, I struggled when I did come out to my family. I struggled how to do that within. Yeah, the sure, right. And I didn't want to have to be, ladies and gentlemen, and write down my story and have a <laughs> story. So I, I thought hashtag Portuguese. That's my coming out. And thankfully, it. it's gone extremely well. Um, I haven't had any backlash uh, from the community whatsoever. At least to my face, I haven't. Um, I'm sure in the backgrounds, uh, when I'm not there, I'm sure it's being discussed, but I have been accepted overwhelmingly. Um, and that's really what took me so long to do that was because I was afraid everything that I had accomplished within the Portuguese community would have been erased with the fact that I was gay. Um, and fortunately that wasn't the case, quite the opposite. I've gotten a lot of support from older generation um, who will see me at Festas and be like, oh, we're friends on Facebook, I know. And that's their way of saying, I still love you. <laughs> so it's been, it's been good. That's great. Chelsea. Hello. Hello. Um, all right. So with me, um, my dad is a very, very well-known person in the Portuguese community. 
And basically my whole life, you know, I've always been attracted to girls. My sister would have friends come over the house and I'd be wanting that attention, you know, um, when I was younger and I was always dressed like a tomboy, hated dresses. And in 2012, I came out to Fesher's La Praia in, in, uh, in Schleida. And then that's kind of where it took off for me. And I met somebody. And then from there, I just decided I was like, okay, this is my calling, you know, and I was extremely happy. And I just took it as I'm happy and I'm going to move forward. Um, of course, I was scared. Um, and first off, I told my friends before I told my family. My sister ended up finding out through the grapevine. Um, so that didn't go too well at first. Um, and then it took me a solid nine months or so to tell my mom. And once I told my mom, obviously, it wasn't the best thing that she wanted to hear. And I started getting into relationships with girls and so forth. And my dad caught on. And he totally set me up, brought me to a trip to Maine. And um, I stepped away. And, you know, I was on the phone. I was on a phone call. I came back. And that's when he called me out on it. And he was like, you know, who are you talking to? Was it a girl? And all the pressure. And I just started crying. And of course, we had, we've had our heart to hearts. Um, it was a difficult road in the beginning. There was a few things that obviously he didn't approve of. Um, and I, I can say that that happened in 2012. And now for like the last three years, my family has been completely accepting. You know, I'm, I'm very respecting of the fact because I obviously know and understand how my parents were raised, how my grandparents are and so forth. So I don't throw it in their face, um, but I'm also not going to lie about who I am. Um, in the Portuguese community, I mean, in the beginning, I guess it was a complete shock because, you know, Filho de Vitor Santos, oh my God. Um, but afterwards, now it's just one of those things that I'm me. And if you don't like it, I mean, it sucks. You know, I'm a good person and I'm very involved in my culture and my community. And I'm very proud of that. And again, not going to lie about who I am. Um, so it is kind of hard dealing, you know, with things that come our way, conflicts, people's judgment, opinions, um, my parents' own personal opinions in the past. Um, so it's definitely a working road to get to where we're at right now. Um, but I'm super happy and and content that I can be who I am and that my parents are more accepting than they were five years ago or eight years ago. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. Thank you. And Nuno? Your story. Hi, Angela. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Nuno. So I was born and raised in Almada, which is the suburbs of Lisbon. Throughout my adult life, I always wanted to travel abroad. I had that that dream. I couldn't afford it, so I started working abroad. Uh, and that was immediately after school while still in closet. But uh, one of the reasons I point that out is, so I came out of the closet as gay, as pro-gay, uh, cisgender white male uh, when I was 30. And it was it was funny, if I look back, looking even at my parents, um, they were born and raised on the countryside of Portugal. So <laughs> things were very, very hard. Uh, even though I was raised in the, in the suburbs, in a more urban area, They've always been super welcoming to my to my gay friends. They will all everyone will always be welcome at home. You know, have a meal on the table and share that. I never felt comfortable to coming out to myself. After you know, 
some therapy, a lot of you know chatting with friends and uh, and all of that. I realized it was me not accepting myself. I don't know if it was uh, or part of it was you know while growing up in uh, in Portugal that was you know bullying at school, even how society potentially perceived how. Uh, you know, depending if if you're not straight, uh, you're probably are less than, or at least those are the stories I was telling myself. So breaking away from those chains was a challenge. And then the fun and aha moment part is, I think I created most of those challenges too. Part of it, yes, mm-hmm. the society in itself, but I created most of them. Even though at, at home, it was a, a welcoming uh, space, um, even coming out, to my family, it was easier, similar to Chelsea, it was easier to start with my friends <laughs> than the family. And I think I was the one putting on the brakes there. Um, that being said, as always, um, I, there's always a perceived, um, I think there's a chalk, and at least my interpretation of it, of why the chalk of, uh, the shock of me being gay or coming out as gay is there's their sense of the family and friends the family, they want to protect you to make sure you don't suffer. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, need of protection may come out of the peer of the, the peer pressure from society and all. Um, that being said, proud 41 gay man now living in California. Uh, I lived most of my adult life when I started working abroad. So I haven't lived in Portugal for almost two decades. Um, but it still took me a while to come, even though it took me a while to come out to myself, really happy I did. <laughs> Suddenly I start sleeping better. Suddenly there's no more depression. Suddenly there's no more overweight. It's funny how um, how the, those things trickle. But um, <clears throat> sorry, I got I got a little bit lost on my uh, chain of thought. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, but um, my, my point there is definitely a journey. Um, could have been easier for sure, but I like to think, what can I do for you know future generations? And I, I applaud you, Angela, for bringing up this subject, uh, which I think, yeah, that makes total sense, to making sure that others feel safe to be whoever they are. My motto mm-hmm. in life, if you're, you know, if you're supporting it yourself and you're not hurting others, like, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, just enjoy living and then accept yourself and others. Angela, if I can ask a question, <laughs> I, I, I know you have a ton yes. of questions and probably some of our uh, participants as well, uh, you know, are probably chatting already some questions, but, um, and especially to Chelsea and to David, uh, Nunu has a, a different story in that he's not immersed and that can be a good thing in the Portuguese American community in some aspects. Uh, but um so I have kind of two, a two-part question. First of all, David and, and Chelsea, have you, f- so both of you said that, you know, it's, it's been challenging in some aspects. David said it's been, it was m- better received than he thought maybe in some aspects of the Portuguese American community. My question to both of you would be, do you feel that there is, um, and both of you are also involved in mainstream America. I mean, you know, in Chelsea's case, not right now because she's living in the island of Tercet in the Azores, but um, you being in a Portuguese American community, but either you worked or you had, you know, you went to high school and college and things like that with American friends. 
how do you see the two different uh, acceptance levels? Acceptance levels. Did you feel that you were just received just as well when you know when you came out in your process uh, with the Portuguese American community, or was there a difference between American main society and the Portuguese very enclave uh, community? And to Nunu uh, was a question based on because your experience is mainly with with Portugal and then living outside of Portugal. Um, have you seen changes in that? That you said some of it was brought on by your Yourself. But have you seen changes in Portugal uh, since you've been out in the last 20 years of, uh, uh, in, when it comes to accepting LGBTQ uh, uh, folks? So, David, you want to start? Because you're always a good person to start. <laughs> That's a loaded question right there. Um, well, like I said, I, I had no backlash within the Portuguese community when I came out. Uh, it was more of, like Angela mentioned, oh, thank God, it's about time, you know. <laughs> Because I was walking around with the with the weight of the world on my shoulders. Um, in comparison with the American community, there there, there is none. Um, in the American community, I was David. Nothing more than that. Uh, I, I wasn't labeled as being gay, or that that it changed who I was. Uh, within the Portuguese community, like I said, I had no backlash to my face, and I felt comfortable going anywhere within the Portuguese community. But we also know here in California, certain areas of the state are more conservative than others. And so I'd have people who belonged to a particular church, for example. I'm not going to name the church, so I don't lose my head over this. Where they had a festa, and we went to the festa, and they had at least 20 signs on the Yes on Prop 8 uh, a couple of years ago, which was the... Um, the proposition uh, of eliminating same-sex right. marriage or acknowledging that. And so it, it did make me feel uncomfortable being in that environment. Even though they were supportive and friendly to me and greedy, greeted me fine, they still stood for the fact that I had no rights in marriage. So how, how do you handle that kind of a situation? I don't know. I just smile and nod and... And, and hope not to get into any conflict in regards to that. But I think it's in, it's in scenarios like that that, um, you know, that's where the disconnect is between some of the Portuguese community being accepted, accepting of it as long as it's not their family or as long as it doesn't coincide with their religious beliefs. And, and being Portuguese, our religion is a major part of our, mm -hmm. of our culture and our traditions. And so... I don't know if that kind of answers your question. It does. It does. Chelsea, any thoughts on that? Um, any differences? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I agree 100%. Obviously, I went through similar situations. I didn't see myself in, in a situation like that, like him going to a festival and having that arise. Um, but, you know, obviously, in an American community, you're accepted as you. You're accepted as Chelsea. I mean, that's Chelsea. That she is what she is. She wears snapbacks. You know, she has tattoos on her legs. Like, that's just who she is. And she's a barber, and that's just what she does. And in the Portuguese community, it's like, you know, I started getting comfortable with myself and how I wanted to dress and how I wanted to be. And it was like, I'm sick of going in a croissant with a dress on. I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. So, you know, one year I ended up wearing a nice blazer with like, you know, like a nice, nice fitted suit with my nice shoes. And I went in a croissant like that in the middle of all the ex-queens of the Mijat Shaita. And there I was. Why? Because that was me. I could put myself in a sash and in a dress. But at the end of the day, I'm going to want the whole time I'm walking in that croissant, I'm going to want to take off that dress, mm -hmm. you know, and for what? 
half of these people, they have children who are gay, who aren't even presented themselves in the culture, you know, don't even come around to a Portuguese feast or anything like that. And usually those parents are the first ones to talk about you. Mm. I haven't had anything said to my face. I know if there's things been said um, where we've been in a public place and like, for instance, in the beginning, my mom wasn't used to it. So she heard people talking, she would walk away instead of standing up for me. And now I feel like we've come a long way also to the point where people are kind of just like, that's who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, they, they've slowly started to accept me simply because I've thrown it in their face that it is, it is who I am. You know, I've heard so many times in the beginning, like when I first came out was, oh, it's a phase. It's a phase. Well, guess what? Me being straight was a phase. That was a phase. Um, So I think the Portuguese community, um, it's very difficult because of our religion and our religion ties into our culture and their beliefs and how they were brought up and that generation of my parents um, and my grandparents. It's it's a lot harder. um, But I feel that if there's more awareness that that can get better. Because, you know, there's not, we're, my parents aren't the only parents who have a child who's gay who are Portuguese. Mm-hmm. There's so many out there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if parents also felt like they're not alone and that it's okay, maybe they'd be more accepting to other people as well. Um, so Portuguese community, because of our religion and our traditions, it's, it's definitely a more harder boundary versus an American society. It's like, you're so accepting to just anybody because they are who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, Portuguese, it's like, you know, you have to be this way. You have to be that way. You have to be married by this age. You have mm-hmm. to have, you know, I give the total example. My sister was married. She got married at a young age and she's now divorced. Guess what? She got married to a man. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. And I feel like people have to be more accepting to that. Um, but I do go through my things, you know, I dress, how I want to dress and I get the looks. I go play contruya. I go play a pezing, you know, I, I support all the, all the traditions and I still get the looks, you know, why, why does she dress like that? You know, and I do it also to stand up for other people because if there's just one person showing that they don't care what other people think, then there'll be more people like that. And then where it's the other side that has to be accepting to us, not us being accepting to them. Indeed. To elaborate on uh, what Chelsea just mentioned, kind of answer the question that Dr. Carlos uh, submitted yeah. in the chat mm-hmm. uh, in regards to have I come across any Luso-Americans who are older and past 50 years old, and how is their gay experience different than ours? Um, I, I do know quite a few of them that are in the older age back bracket, some of them my parents' age, and unfortunately, when they did come out years ago in the 80s or 70s, they completely disconnected themselves from the Portuguese mm. community. So, I mean, they're out there. They're just not involved in the Portuguese community. They're living their own lives. And I think that's what differs now is more and more we're seeing more of our youth coming out um, and not being afraid. And this webinar is a perfect example that we're able to share our story. It's just, it's being shared with people like the webinar, people who are friendly and know how to use webinars. They already know and they're accepting of this. That generation who is not familiar with webinars uh, or aren't exposed to this are the ones that probably need to hear these, these messages. So we'll make the request that uh, whoever's watching this webinar take the recording and show it to your <laughs> vovo or whoever else. I, <laughs> I, I think 
I think there's a lot more of a voz out there watching on, on, on Facebook than <laughs> probably, we all think. Probably. My, my yeah. university students all tell me that, uh, uh, you know, tell me that, you know, Facebook is for old people like you. So um, so I think there's a lot of older, there is a lot of older Portuguese Americans and uh, throughout the world, Portuguese mm-hmm. in general, uh, Portuguese speakers or people who identify with the Portuguese culture that tune into this. And Nunu, and your experience, how have you seen, uh, have you in the evolution between when you lived in Portugal and now that you've just uh, are abroad in the last 20 years or so? Um, the short answer is yes, but then the long answer is yes, but there's so much way to go. Okay. Uh, and what comes up to mind, I think it's a great question, what comes up to mind is there's this almost the, I don't think there's full acceptance is, so from a, a legal perspective and overall society, I think we're trending into the right direction. I also feel there's some unnecessary breaks that happen uh, to delay that awful integration. Port, you know, Portugal, we're a very, very old <laughs> and traditional society. Uh, whether it's in, uh, you know, in Portugal itself or the Portuguese communities that emigrated from Portugal, one thing that comes to mind is even the concept of microaggressions that I still experience that in Portugal um, and also full disclaimer not just in Portugal in, the, in some societies um, even some places here in the US and, and other places in the world but uh, back to Portugal I had the experience that I some folks uh, they accept me for who I am but they kind of feel sorry for me because mm. as if I was incomplete or was missing a limb and I think intellectually speaking is like, okay, that there's nothing I can do apart from having an, an honest conversation when folks are open to have an honest conversation. But uh, back also to Chelsea's point, um, and also David's point, it's all about creating awareness. Like I don't feel less than or better than, and I say that out and proud, but for the folks that when I hear the message, like you feel feeling sorry for <laughs> because of, my sexual orientation, it, it's it, the the part that I that I also have to confess that portrays me a, a little is they're not open to understand that I don't feel sorry for myself. I'm very proud of who I am. And I would love people to not feel sorry for others, but just support and elevate each other. But um, that's, that's the part that we still have a long, long way to go, mm-hmm. Denise, and it's not... I don't think it's easily labeled, mm-hmm. but it's that sort of microaggressions. And honestly, the intention is not mean sure. or people are not trying to be mean or, but it's in a way unhuman mm-hmm. in my, from my perspective. So I have, I have two questions that kind of go along with what you were saying, you know, about just be supportive, right? Don't feel sorry, but be supportive. So one question is the three of you all had a, I'd say relatively okay experience coming out, right? David, you said like, you know, people that came out in the eighties had to essentially go away from the community and that wasn't the case with you. And, and um, so, and David and Nuno, you both came out in your thirties and Chelsea, you're still in your twenties. If I'm correct. Yeah. I'm 25. So So I came out, I was like 17. So that's fairly young. So if you, Look back at your younger self. What would you tell your younger self to to maybe come out earlier? Like, would you have advised yourself to come out earlier at that? Like, if you look back at that time, would it have been a positive experience? Also, 
or you know what would you have told your younger self and then the other part of my question is what do you what kind of advice do you have for people who again aren't trying to be mean but they don't understand it or whatever but they want to be supportive so how can they be supportive what could what can they say or not say or what can they do or not do that would make the coming out process or once you're out and they uh, they just want to, you know, be supportive in general, any words of advice in that realm? Because I think a lot of people just, what do I say? I don't know what to do. Do I ask him if he has a boyfriend? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, unfortunately, of how to act. So if we could address the first question, what would you tell your younger self? And then secondly, uh, what's some advice for, for folks on how to support a loved one that's, that's come out? Well, in my case, <clears throat> what I would have told myself is stop caring what other people think. Mm-hmm. We live in a society and our culture. What are they going to say? What are they going to think? Who cares? They're not living my life. They're not paying my bills. And I wish I would have known that at a younger age. Was And that was what took me so long was, oh, my God, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? And it took me 35 years to be like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it comes with age, know. David. You just don't care and, uh, anymore. <laughs> I, I tired and I started living for myself and not for everybody else. And, and that's what I would, would, would advise. Mm-hmm. The other question, the, the support would come in. You know, our community is known for talking. And that's men, men or women. That, mm-hmm. that it does not discriminate. The support would be when you would hear, if you're in conversation and you hear comments being made, or look at him and look at her, stand up for what's right. You know, don't just be quiet and ignore it. Put them in their place, correct them, educate them. Uh, it doesn't have to be in our in our presence, but by doing it mm-hmm. you know, behind our backs, because that's usually when discussions are, are said, you know, and Portuguese aren't going to tell you bad things to your face nine times out of 10. They'll do it behind your back mm-hmm. and to somebody else. And that support would come from that other person, letting them know, look, don't say that. This is why, you know, he's still the same person. She's still the same person. Educate them. Yeah, I would, um, I would agree with, oh, what, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, to that point, no, David, sometimes I think the machete caters is not necessary because I've had this experience where someone will say, Oh, yeah, I'm and I'll say, What does that have to do with anything? Well, nothing. I was just saying, oh, Well, if it has nothing to do with it, why did you say it? You know what I mean? So it's almost like right. it's not be, it's not necessarily because they think it's bad or wrong, it's just something to talk about, right? It's, it's you know, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's kind of funny. And, uh, I, I was actually, this is, I'm just going to take five minutes to t- tell you the story. <laughs> Sorry. I was in a parade, a Spitzant parade. This is a perfect example. And I was in my folklore costume and a friend was on the sidelines of the parade watching and they screamed out, David, canta um fado, sing a fado. And I was like, oh, I'm in folklore now, five is later. Oh, ha, 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 we joked around and the parade kept on moving. Well, no more than 10 feet after I walked by, she turned around and said, ai, aqui eu tenho que ir para a igreja para limpar o maricas. People overheard that. And nobody said anything. That right there is a perfect opportunity to educate the ignorance of that mm-hmm. person's point. And it goes to show you the false, the fakeness that exists mm-hmm. where you know, two minutes before she's smiling at me and telling me hello. And then two minutes later, she's talking about me behind my back. So that happens more often than not. 
So that's that's discrimination, pure full discrimination. Uh, I mean, uh, it's just we can. Yeah. So what that is is a lack of education yeah, as well. In the, indeed, indeed, and that's uh, and sometimes that's uh, that has, of course. Uh, the, that has a lot more repercussions than we think it does because it's you know it's if it's not t- told to to someone's face then you know people say well you know I wasn't I wasn't you know outspoken about it but yeah you were and you were in a very hurtful way and probably a way that has a lot more of a long term impact than people think that it does but Chelsea you're going to say something yeah um, I mean as far as something I would tell my younger self when I I mean I was fairly young like when I came out. And when I actually got to experience that for myself. So I'm actually pretty happy at the age that I did come out because I wasn't super young, but yet I wasn't, you know, older where I felt like, wow, I'm really living a life that I don't want to live, you know? And I felt like it happened. Everything happened for a reason that year. And, you know, I found who I was and I'm very grateful for that. But as far as obviously my dad being who he was in the community, I was very scared. And I was very scared if, you know, my dad were to find out before I were to tell him or basically people, what they were going to say about me. And eventually it got to a point that I didn't care. I didn't care um, simply because this is what truly made me happy. And I I wasn't going to lie about who I was. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, how many women um, and men you know, don't involve themselves in the community, don't show their faces in the community. And, you know, like you don't even know who they are and they're gay and their parents are actually happy about that. You know, they're happy that they don't go to the feast with them. They're happy that they don't hold the chair for them to bring them to park the car. They're happy with that. And I just think, you know, why should it be that way? I am who I am. I'm still the same Chelsea that I was yesterday, even though I told you today I was gay. I'm still, I was still gay yesterday and the day before that, you know? Um, so advice for my, for my younger self, I guess, and I'm still young. So just don't, don't get so hooked up on what people think of you. Um, that was a big, big thing for me. And as far as helping other people, one, it's not your story to tell. That's my biggest thing. It's like when people find out, you know, through the grapevine or whatever, but it's like, you'll have that one friend where you did have a heart to heart and then they'll go say their version of it. You know, it's not your story to tell. Yeah. Hey, she is. Why don't you go ask her about it? If you really want to know that much into detail, why don't you go ask her about it? And that is a weird question. Like, Hey, so you're gay. How did that happen? You know, like no one wants to receive that question. But it is who I am. So me personally, if if I'm friends with you and I'm having a conversation with you, sometimes if I'm in a relationship or something, that'll come up like, oh, my girlfriend and I the other day, you know, so boom, that's a little hint for you. Do you have to excessively ask me a lot of questions about it? If you would like to, yes, but you don't have to. And also what, what David said about educating. So when people are talking about somebody being gay, like say something. Mm-hmm. Because you not saying something means you're just like them. Mm-hmm. It means you're exactly like them. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of fake people in the Portuguese community. There is people that will, you know, talk shit about you. But at the end of the day, I know that I'm a good person. And I think that's what people have to mm-hmm. reflect on. You know, you're a good person. And being gay in the Portuguese community, you are going to feel like you're a disappointment. Why? Because of how you were raised. Because of your cultures. Because of your traditions. Your core values of your parents. 
And that's how I felt for a very long time because it took a while for my parents to really accept the fact that like, okay, this is for real. You know, I was 17 years old. So they always thought it was a phase. By the time they got older, they were, I got older, they were like, okay, you know, it's not a phase. So I think educating those around you, especially when mm -hmm. comments are made, is a start in the right direction of, you know, making other people feel accepted. But if you want to know something, just ask the person. Don't just go to the source. Don't go to the grapevine. Good advice. That's my opinion. And I would say that's good advice for anything, not <laughs> just whether or not you think. Yes, can. anything. <laughs> source, Portuguese right. community, go to the source. No, no. <laughs> So for me, the advice I'll give to myself, it's I'll, I'll echo <laughs> what, my, um, what, what we heard here is think about yourself and what you're feeling and not about what others think you should feel or who should you love or who should, who, who should you care for. Um, I did come out late, I would say on average. I don't know from a generation perspective if 30 years late. Uh, I could have come out earlier, and part of it was me going through that battle with myself. Uh, I think it could have been easier. I also don't cry over spilled milk. I think that was also part of my journey and made me who I am today. But um, again, back to the advice I'll give myself is just take care of myself and love myself. And I think that the rest should follow through, regardless of what others or even society thinks. Back what other things can do, you know, just hearing from my fellow fellow panelists and on our chat is it's the same concept of allyship. Like if you see something that it doesn't sound right, it's probably not right. And there's ways uh, we can talk about sexual orientation. If a person is gay, transgender, whatever it is, if it's straight, if there's no evil intention behind it either coming out of ignorance or coming out of pure evilness, if it's just for from a knowledge standpoint, I don't think there's any problems with that. But of course, there's there's mm -hmm. some intentions that can happen, right? <laughs> Where we see some of those comments, especially those through the grapevine tend to be more, at least from my experience, mm -hmm. uh, intentionally mean or at least not forwarding, not adding anything. But uh, I do think one thing you can do is if you see something, regardless, even if you're heard from, uh, you know, a distant connection or a very close connection, if it's not a human comment, I would definitely uh, strongly suggest you to say something, <laughs> say, say your opinion and uh, yeah, uh, try to educate others. I think um and for me, what comes to mind is is that allyship because the, the story that we just heard here is mm -hmm. it's not a cool story, right? That David shared. Uh, probably there was a little kid there that now is telling mm -hmm. to himself that being gay is mm -hmm. less dead, or someone's grandson. And and suddenly we're still uh, shaping those individuals as part of our society that their journey to feel included and to feel you know fully integrated and fully part of the community. In this case, the Portuguese community, it's, it's going to be an, an unnecessarily longer journey. And yeah, I think life is too short. We should take the most out of it. But um, definitely the allyship is what I will. It, it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is, but just, yeah, see something that it's not cool. Say mm -hmm. something about it. Educate others for sure. What would you, I mean, I think we're going to have a lot of the same messages that we've already talked about here in terms of like, you know, what would you tell your younger self? But for those that are in the community, whether they're 15 or whether they're 45, 
and they still haven't come out to their families. What would your advice be in terms of not necessarily like, don't worry about what people think, but actually like, here's how you might think about coming out, you know, parents first, friends first, or like, what would, what would you, if they came to you one-on-one and said, I really want to come out, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. What would, what would your coaching be? Right. I guess is kind of what I'm, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure, right? But I, I don't know what would. Everyone is so different. Every case is so different. Um, when I did come out, I actually did have people within the Portuguese community message me and were like, oh, oh my God, cool. I'm gay. And I don't know how to come out to my family. They're super religious. Mm-hmm. And all I can do is share them my story and let them know, you know, the grass is greener uh, on the other side and it does get better. Um, and essentially it comes down to if, if you have friends and even family that aren't willing to accept you for who you are, were they really that important to you to begin with? Uh, nothing really changes in your life uh, after you come out as gay. Uh, yeah, the only example would be to share what, you know, our own experiences it was because everyone's is going to be different. Um, for me, I, I know that I, um, me telling my friends first was something that helped me just because I felt like I had to tell somebody. I didn't know mm-hmm. who to talk to about it. Um, and because obviously my friends are more my age, you know, they have a different logic. And I felt like obviously my friends love me for who I am. So it doesn't matter. Um, so definitely telling my friends first to get that off of my chest and to talk about it was key for me to become a little bit more comfortable and eventually, you know, telling my parents. But every situation is different. Um, me, for instance, how I told my mom, I had chocolate-covered strawberries sent to my house. My parents bothered me that it was a guy, and they named, like, every dude in the book. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. So I took that as a way in. <laughs> and I was on my way to Best Buy. I freaked out. And in the car I'm driving, I'm like, yeah, those chocolate-covered strawberries are from a female. <laughs> and I took that as my way in. But every situation's different. Um, I definitely feel that telling someone about it that you can trust that you can confine in is a hundred percent key and helpful prior. You know what I mean? That will help you get through some hardships in the future um, on people that you're more worried about and saying and what their opinions are going to be and so forth. I'll echo all of that. Everyone that, I, that we heard here, everyone has their own story and that's why they're special and that's why they're unique. I think based on my own experience, what I always like to add is to everyone, everyone has their own pace and has their own, you know, and I say that because I did come out later in life, but it took me a while to process all of that. Um, So I sometimes I just add in a little empathy around what's their pace. But first and foremost, making sure that you create a safe space for yourself Ideally, your family, if possible. Ideally, close friends, too, or your chosen family, as I like to call it. So you start discussing that and then and stepping into a place where you feel secure and then start, you know, <laughs> coming out uh, proudly uh, about it. My own personal story, I, I don't know if it was the universe. I'm not that wooey, but I was traveling abroad <laughs> and I lost my passport. So I was forced to go home. <laughs> to Portugal, I was in Europe. I was supposed to go to Portugal just so I could get back to get a new passport so I could get back to the US. 
I had some visa thing, so I had to stay home and I was stuck at home. <laughs> and then, oh, I think this is the perfect time. Let me have, you know, a very honest and open conversation with my mother. Granted, I was a full-on baked adult paying taxes, got my bills paid on time, you know, my own career friends that I was proud of. And it still, it was, uh, you know, for me, it was a difficult conversation to have, but I wouldn't do it any other different. So it's, um, and I'll add in a caveat is even though I kind of, I, I relay a little bit where I felt like in, uh, subconsciously distanced myself from the Portuguese community because I was living abroad and all, even though I'll be living in the U.S., I lived in the U.S. for over a decade, I would not necessarily be as involved in the Portuguese community. I think part of it was something either around shame of being gay or of not feeling accepted, whatever the story that I was telling myself. But until I fully come out to the community <laughs> and uh, to everyone, I think uh, I wasn't fully, fully out. Uh, at least for me, that's also that's part of the journey I also like to share when I'm sharing my story. It's funny that you mentioned that, Nuno, because you said you, you distanced yourself from the Portuguese community. And I did the opposite. I don't know why I did that, but I emerged myself even more and more and more. At one point, I was involved in five or six different organizations. And I think at that time, I was just thinking, well, if I get super involved in this and excel at doing this, they'll ignore that I'm actually gay or not focus on my personal life. And that I myself would forget about my personal life. Um, and that kind of, it didn't burn me, but it, it, in the end, it made it that much more difficult to come out because I was already so much in the light of the, of the Portuguese community. So, And when my story, when I did come out to my mom, she was the one who actually brought up the, the subject. She had come over and just initially set, started a conversation. Oh, do you want to have kids one day? And I was like, oh boy, here, here's where it's going to come out. And it did, and it went well. Uh, my dad took a little longer uh, to to get used to it, because it is a shock, and I understand it. But literally, it was days. Uh, and then essentially, he came back and was like, you're still my son. So I want things to be like they were before, and I love you for who you are. Uh, and it wasn't until about a year and a half ago, everyone in my family, everyone in the community knew, except my grandmother. Uh, and I sat down with her. I had a very close relationship with her, and she was 96 when I told her. Uh, and she, she was just like, I already know, uh, and it doesn't change, you know, who you are and my love towards you. So it, it's, it's essentially coming down to accepting it for yourself, number one. And like Chelsea mentioned, confining in a close friend, which I had, who was also going through the same thing, my best friend back in my early 20s. Uh, we were both going through the same struggles of being gay and being closeted, being active in the Portuguese community. Uh, and then essentially once my parents knew and they were accepting of it, you know, everything else will just fell into place. And so if I may, I, I have a question uh, to all three of you. I think all three of you touched upon this in a, one way or another. And that uh, you felt that, uh, you know, the, the uh, one of the hard things about, you know, coming out in the Portuguese-American community or in the Portuguese culture itself, whether it be in Portugal, in uh, mainland or the, the islands or in the Portuguese-American community in, in North America, is the, 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 the traditions and religion. Do you think that if the Catholic Church was a little bit more acceptance, and the Catholic Church has had you know some changes in the in the last few uh, last few years, but if if you think the Catholic Church looked at the issue um, and was more accepting 
uh, of, the, of, of, of the LGBTQ community, that it would be easier for those in the Portuguese American community or it would not make a difference? How do you, you know, what, what weight does the church still hold in whether it be in Portugal or in your experiences in the communities? A tremendous amount of weight. Uh, our, a lot of our Portuguese, especially the older generation, the immigrants are very devout to their religion, to Jesus, the Spirit Sant, Nossa Senhora Fatima, the church in itself. Um, I think they're followers of that of the church. So if the church led them in a more accepting direction, I think it would totally change their outlook and, and their their acceptance in the matter. I agree as well. Um, I think it does. The, one of the beauties about religions, they create great foundations and, and values. And as a Portuguese gay man and living, having lived in a country that's mainly, you know, Catholic, uh, or even around the Portuguese community, from my experience, is mainly Catholic, I not always see a lot of uh, acceptance coming even from a leadership sure. from that standpoint. I don't want to generalize because I know there's, there, of course, there's a spectrum there. But I would say on average, I think, yeah, it's it's one. Uh, I think it's one of the values, I guess, of all religions is about, <laughs> you know, evolving as a human being. And I think part of that starts with acceptance and honestly leading by example, so that the followers, as David was pointing out, can also feel comfortable in stepping into that, you know, acceptance, regardless of what your beliefs are. But uh, for sure, I know it's a it's a hot topic, Denise, but uh, <laughs> I I I think so. It's probably part of our progress as a, as a society, as a Portuguese community, but um, definitely I think religion can impact to make it go smoother and faster or slower and painful. And sure, I think unfortunately it's been more the latter. Hopefully we're trending into the opposite direction. Because these issues have to have the weight of the institutions, whether it be religious or the states or, you know, the law or yeah, everywhere else, you know, politics, et cetera. And, and, and sometimes the institutions have to drive that debate and not just wait for the popular. You know, I mean, I have always thought it was, you know, kind of strange when people say, well, I've, which I'm kind of, you know, people know who I, that I'm a fan of Obama. And so I can say this, but, you know, people think that, you know, I always thought it was strange when he said, I kind of had an evolution towards this. Well, you know, okay, let's Let's uh, let's uh, look, you know, let's look at all this, you know, uh, from a, a perspective that the institutions and the people in the institutions carry the weight that both you, Nunu, and, and David just said about that. And so it cannot be just the people, you know, whether it be in the political system through the vote, you know, uh, of having marriage equality and rights, you know, to the LGBTQ community. It has to be what the Supreme Court has done. It has to, or will do in the in the future or will not. It has to be religion. It has to be the social organizations, the clubs, the associations, whether it be community of a Portuguese community or other ethnicities. So it has to be kind of a process in itself. And, and that's why, you know, the, the hierarchies sometimes have a little bit of a, of a bigger say-so than the actual parishioners because the hierarchies make the rules. I agree. Just like the same way in the corporate world, you mentioned all those points, right? Corporate world is exactly the same. And for example, I choose the companies I work for based on their initiatives towards LGBTQ communities, towards all other things that are important for me. And guess what? Who I want to pay taxes may imply that too. So to that kind of ex extending to what you were talking about, Denise, is, you know, the institutions and it really is what we do. And we have about eight minutes left. Um, 
what would you all like to see the Portuguese community do to help advance this issue? Is it creating a, a, a LGBTQ Portuguese association? Is it just having more conversations like this? Is it invite, you know, I don't, what would you like to see happen in the Portuguese community itself with the clubs, with the folklore, with the bands, with other organizations to put themselves out there to say, we are accepting of everybody. Like what, I'm, I'm just curious if you've had ideas. I mean, because this isn't a, uh, to use Mr. Obama's comment that it is an evolution, right? And, and I think it is possible for people to have been on in one camp and then kind of see how things progress and That's generate a, an understanding and become more accepting. And, and okay. I mean, I mean, I'll just tell you my own personal experience. I hadn't actually met a, a knowingly a gay person or seen a transgendered person until I w- went to college in San Francisco. And I literally remember the first time I ever saw a transgendered person, I was on a bus and I saw her on the, on the street and it was just, you know, like, I, you know, and that was when I was 17 years old and the evolution that my personal evolution has, has been tremendous since then. So, I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that that does exist and that does happen with, with individuals, but back to my question about, you know, what can the, what can the organizations in the community do to help this cause? I think this is, this initiative right here with the webinar is a great example. This kicks it all, all, all off. Just recently, I was invited to be part of a Facebook group, uh, LGBTQ plus Portuguese. And I was like, wow, all these Portuguese people that were all over the world were all LGBT and they're all connecting in this, in this one group. That's another example. And then the other one is just basically using the platforms within the community to educate the, the, the community in itself. I know we spoke before about Carnaval. You know, if you're an Azorian, you know what those are and you're you're very adaptable to them and that's a beautiful platform right then and there to try and educate them uh you know carnaval is comedy it's satire sometimes the representation of a gay man or a gay character comes off very stereotypical um very feminine and 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 kind of almost not insulting but in it can, can, can come off in a negative way but if it's done properly and done in, the, in a different direction, it, it can also serve as an education for the community if done right. So it, it's, it's basically using the platforms within the community itself and the traditions to promote or educate uh, the community in regards to gay and transgender people. Uh, I think with the new youth that are coming up, you're starting to see heads of organizations, presidents of festas who are openly gay and they are president of that festa and they are still getting the role. So you're starting to see that a lot now with the younger generation. So it does, it is something that's going to take time, but I think it's heading in that direction. I think it does. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I think one, one thing starts with leadership and leadership with all of these organizations like Palcos, like you, Angela, right? Oh, this is not something that I'm uh, necessarily a part of but it's something I wanna contribute to to promote acceptance, to promote knowledge and awareness. So I think the leaders, whether it's institutions of religion, corporate, state, uh, you know, local communities, whatever it is, I think it starts with leadership. They have, you know, I would say 
they should be fostering a lot of these conversations uh, to promote acceptance. And okay, let's start with awareness. I think if you start with awareness, the acceptance should come because we're all human. Like we're we're mentally in our DNA. We want we mentally want to connect, right? <laughs> and we don't want to necessarily disconnect from other human beings. I think promoting awareness, the acceptance should free flow into that. And I think we're all leaders in our community too. And examples is saying, you know, and and I think little things make a difference. And I applaud Chelsea as well. Like, I'm not going to wear a dress. I want to wear this fantastic blazer. <laughs> Those things, this is also her as a leader in her community showing up. I'll start with, a, with also a, a short story as an example where... Jokingly, I'm 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 part of um, a Portuguese uh, Portuguese association with the Chamber of Commerce, and on board meetings, they're like, "I'm bringing the rainbow into this boardroom," and guess what? It's also good for business. It's good for society. It's good for the Portuguese community. And and that was very intentional on those comments, even though it was with a you know with a smile there. And I I've, I feel very lucky to be surrounded by other accepting leaders, but I think it starts there. It's uh, it starts with the leadership to take a stand. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, I think that obviously using the platform right now because of everything going on with COVID, it's a little bit more difficult, right? But using platforms like Carnaval, even Cantrias or Desafio, Cantrias and Esgarradas, maybe not Esgarrada because usually that's joked around in another way, <laughs> but a Cantria is more on a serious note and people in that generation you know, the older generation really don't get it. I think they really don't understand what one bad negative comment or bad energy towards that topic can affect a human being. Um, because at the end of the day, it's not our fault. It's not my fault that I like girls. You know, it's not David's fault. He likes guys. It's not, it's not our fault. Um, but that doesn't make us less of a person than who we are. So definitely using our platforms and everybody just taking a stand for themselves, like, you know, showing that that initiative, like it's okay to be ourselves. Um, like an example of, you know, wearing a blazer in the procession or even out here in Shreda, being gay isn't openly gay, isn't really that accepting. And I'm a female barber. You know, I wear a snapback. People want to interview me and, and I wear, I have my style. I don't downgrade my style because of people that I'm around you know and I feel like the more people are aware that awareness is coming the greater the community will be in accepting it um so definitely using our Portuguese communities to just you know let them know it's okay I'm not saying the next festa you know come out with all these rainbow flags like hey guys You're sure honestly in. it's not a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> You know, like it's, <laughs> but just be accepting. Like when you hear little comments, you know, mm. it doesn't make us less less of who we are. Um, and definitely using platforms like Contrias or or Dança uh, Dança for instance, because it's more on a serious note. Um, things like that, I think, would bring more awareness to the community. And if people really had an idea of how much their negative negativity impacts someone's like mind and soul I think people would think differently because they really don't see what people go through behind closed doors and personally I wouldn't wish this life on anyone being being gay in the Portuguese community I wouldn't wish it like so many times when I first came out I said that I was like I don't wish this life on, on anyone because it really is hard but I feel like 
continuing people continuing to show that leadership, show that awareness and confront the situation, I feel like a lot more people will be accepting and aware of how it can really affect other people. So just one quick thing, Angela, would it be from all the three of you are saying, do we need actually really more visibility in just, uh, you know, these conversations, of course, even if they were not, you know, on, on, on uh, Zoom and on webinars and this kind of stuff, um, do you feel that as we move forward, you know, post-pandemic, one of these days, that we could have these live in, our, in the community and a lot more visibility? Why not have uh, an LGBTQ presence in our festivals? Why not yeah, have that, I think that in, the, in cool. the parades, in the folklore groups and, and, mm-hmm. and, and that? Is, is, is visibility going to be something that would be important to conversations, you know, uh, and uh, visibility is something that would be important to change mentalities or to at least make the awareness a little bit better. That's a question, yes. (laughs) May I add not, I don't, I love the visibility. I don't think, and it's, it's okay to put it from a, yes, I'm different or not. It's always with the, with the hidden side that I'm not better or or less than anyone else. I'm just, you know, I'm a human being. If you're hurting my feelings or if you're hurting other ones, uh, that person's sure. feelings, yeah. and that's not your intention, like do something about it. And that, that goes back to the awareness piece. And let's demystify uh, who I chose for partner. Uh, it's just, it shouldn't. Yeah. Is that really what's interest or, or not? Or are we here to just, you know, enjoy and connect as a community? Well, and to your point, Denise, I mean, there's, there's a lot of conferences and conventions that happen and have been happening for decades, you know, as the themes are decided every year, why can't we incorporate, you know, a panel or a session on being gay in the Portuguese community, you know, something like that. But I I will just, I'll wrap it up by saying that Chelsea, it made me really sad to hear you say that you wouldn't wish this life on anyone. I, I, it makes me sad to hear you say that. And I, because I, I, that's now not so much, but in the beginning when everything was like so crashing down on you and you really feel like, wow, this, you know, and I I feel like I'm not the only one that feels that there's a lot of people who have felt that. Um, and only once my family started accepting me and I really started, you know, standing up for myself. And honestly, one of the logics that helped me get through it was, Half of these people who are talking shit about you, they actually envy you because you are who you are. They wish they could be you. They wish they can confront a feast full of people dressing how they want to dress and Mm -hmm. speaking how they want to speak and doing what they want to do for a living. There's a lot of people who are married who are gay. Mm. There's a lot of people who are, you know what I mean? Women and both men with, uh, with, with families. And they're low-key gay, but they try to flaunt like they're not, you know? And those people are, like, the worst. Those are, those are the ones that are, that are affecting because, you know, it's, it's so horrible. It's so accepting to your face, but then behind your back, it's so horrible. But it's like, at the end of the day, they're envying you. They wish they could be you. They wish they could have a voice. So me... Saying that, that's just like, you know, I'm different. I'm proud of who I am. That helped me get through a lot. But through my dark times, it was really, 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 really hard to get through. Well, hopefully, and to feel hoping that you're, you telling your story and sharing your experience has inspired some, some folks and some young people uh, today. Yeah, I hope so. To, uh, you know, avoid that same terrible experience that, that you know, you feel you 
you had yeah. and, um, and anybody that is that wants to shoot me a message or anything like I'm all ears and if anyone has any questions aside from this webinar or anything like that like feel free shoot me a message you're no worries I'm here <laughs> so don't think that you're alone because you're not <laughs> well I, I will say I will say this is just the first of many discussions like this that we're going to have. You know, no, no, you've you've uh, thanked me personally a couple of times. But I always say Denise is also part of Palkus. This is also a, he had a big uh, push uh, role in, in pushing this topic, and um, I would say the whole Palkus board has been very supportive of this. And there mm -hmm. is, uh, right. you know, there's 15 of us across the country on that board. It's not not just one person. Uh, and so I, I do give a shout out to um, the team that we have built and we've already talked about, you know, and, and even with you folks have talked about um, having more of these maybe with some parents of, of uh, kids that have come out and what that has experience has been like for them. And then, you know, there's a whole series of, of conversations, you know, there, there was a question about health services for the LGBTQ community and that we didn't get to address. In fact, there were quite a few questions that came through that we didn't get to address, oh. uh, even dating. <laughs> there were a couple of questions about dating that we didn't get to. So I would say, you know, um, there's a lot to, to be said. This is not the last time that we will do this. Um, if anyone is out there that would like to participate in these conversations and be a panelist or have suggestions, please let us know. Um, we look forward to working with the three of you, David, Nuno, and Chelsea, to further this initiative and perhaps build a network, a national network that everybody can connect with and, and uh, be inspired by. Thank you to everybody who, who was out there uh, watching and uh, have sent in your comments. If you did have questions we didn't get to, we will reply back via email. Um, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll provide uh, as they give their permission, provide contact information for David, Nuno, and Chelsea as well, if you'd like to reach out to them. I know all three of them are on Facebook, so feel free to reach out to them. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Feel free. Um, but this has been this has been a great conversation. Yeah, and I really fun. thank the three of you for for telling your story. Yeah, thanks so much. Great. Thank you and so, so much. Thank you for having me. And if you haven't, if you're listening to this on Politicus and you haven't hit subscribe to that podcast, please do so. And spend a couple of minutes to write us a review on iTunes because it helps people find the conversation. And if you aren't a Palkus member, you can do so very easily online and it's very affordable. 50 bucks a year is less than a dollar a week, everybody. So uh, I encourage you all to become a member and become part of this movement and uh, help us have an impact on our community for the better. Thank you all three, and thank you, Angela, and thanks to Palkus for doing this. And uh, um, and stay strong, and um, and let's uh, and let's build a coalition that is important uh, for the future of the Portuguese American community because we are part of the mainstream American community, and I think that uh, all issues are important to our community because we're part of the American society. We cannot continue the ghetto uh, aspect. And when I'm talking about a ghetto, the, not a physical, but the social aspect may have been something that our parents or grandparents, and in my case, I was an immigrant, but parents and grandparents needed it in order to stay strong, in order to build the little freguesia, the little aldeia outside of Portugal. But that's not the case, obviously, with all three of you and your generation. And so it is important that
that we build these bridges and, and, and we discuss these topics that have not been discussed in the past, but they need to be part of the present and to build a future for the Portuguese American world. Thank you all. Thanks, everybody. Thank Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of Palcus, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. Palcus is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about Palcus and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palcus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus at palcus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palcus. Politicus is made possible through the support of the Luso-American Development Foundation.